I'm your host, Jenna. <laughs> and I'm the other host, Sophie. And today we are talking about Jimi Hendrix and the 27 Club. If you ever heard of it before, Sophie, can you talk about the 27 Club? <laughs> okay, so last week we did an episode about, two. well, the last two weeks we had a two-part uh, Kurt Cobain uh, little mashup. So, like, the 27 Club is, like, kind of a... I don't know if it's a coincidence, kind of a conspiracy. Illuminati vibes, uh, a little bit. Maybe some CIA spy, but um, there's a lot of famous musicians that have died at the age 27. We listed all of them at the end of one of, part two? Part two. Okay. And um, so, but the famous ones are Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, who are both from Seattle area. Uh, Amy Winehouse. Because on this podcast, yeah, Janis Joplin. we talk about the Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest. If you didn't know. And if you don't know what that is, first of all, check yourself. Second of all. <laughs> Before you wreck yourself. Washington and Oregon. And just this little corner, the best corner of the United States of America. <laughs> I, uh, love, I love how you said it all the way. Of America. <laughs> uh, this is Serial Conversation Podcast. It is. And I did, in fact, have cereal this morning. You did? I had a bagel. Mm, I hate how you say that every time. A bagel? A bagel. Yeah. A bagel? A bagel. How was your week? Um, I've worked every day this week. <laughs> that's enough said. And that's it. How about you? Um, Mine's been pretty mediocre. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not been good or bad. Yeah. It's just been like, whatever. But um, first semester is almost over, which so, is crazy. Which is literally insane, and I'm not ready for second semester. My grades aren't ready. <laughs> my brain ain't ready. My emotions. My schedule is not ready. I hate my second se- semester. We need schedule. to get ours changed. Sophie and I's um, principal—they're called the co-directors. Whatever. Could be listening. They literally be careful. <laughs> would they though? <laughs> no. Uh, they might, but. They do hate us because we're always like, can you do this one thing just for us? Because we're us. Thank you. And they're like, uh, no, no special treatment. <laughs> we're like, please. And then they're like, but we'll give it to someone else. <laughs> I'm like, what? But just not you. Someone who performs worse. We don't want worse. to uh, set a standard that everyone else is going to expect so, like the same thing, you know? If we change your schedule, then everyone's going to expect a schedule change. We're like, fine. And then our friend comes up to us, just got my schedule change. I'm like, What? <laughs> You're kidding. You're pranking us. Uh, also, what we said, podcast merch came out. So cute. And spendy. I know. I wish I could afford it. That's the only reason I'm sad. I know. For all you poor listeners out there, our stickers are only $2. <laughs> or free if you leave a review and rate us five stars. Or if you see us in real life and you're like, can I have one? And you don't have money? We'll probably give you one anyway. Yeah. I guess. Give us a shout out. Uh, we just found a sticker in our hallway, our school hallway today, that none of us put up. Or I'm lying. True. But I didn't. I didn't put it. I didn't <laughs> lie. <laughs> but I promise. Uh, we had a little Glenda and Greta, Greta <laughs> standoff today. <laughs> Those are cars' <laughs> names. We had a 2017. Yeah. A Jetta <laughs> named and Greta. Named Greta. <clears throat> and then we got a 1996, I think, Toyota Corolla named Glenda, and we both filled up. 
I pulled off the freeway at the <laughs> same exact time that Jenna was coming. Literally, down the what road. are the odds? It was perfect timing. I just like pulled off, and then we were driving next to each other, looking at each other, and then the lane uh, like ends. And I like skirted in front of Glenda, oh. and then we're like zooming along, fifty-six. <laughs> and then I turned right. I think you turned right also, but then you cut off left, and I waited at the light, and then I turned left, and we met at the stop <laughs> sign, but I got there first. And Gle- Greta persevered, and she won again. Yeah, but Greta's um, <laughs> new and nice. Yeah. And Glenda is, should have gone an oil change 400 <laughs> miles ago. So Yeah, I, I do that do every that. time. It's so bad. It's but bad. also, it's ridiculous. And then it's Oil changes are oil. a scam. I'm yeah, convinced they're not real. Synthetic oil is $100 every time. Like, shut the front door. Shut the front door. I'm in the mood to not wear a skirt and to change out of that <laughs> and wear sweatpants. Yeah. Wishing I didn't care. I wish, like, <laughs> people couldn't see me. But they could only <laughs> see, like, my head. So they I wouldn't have to dress. Yeah. Cute. You just do your hair every day? Yeah, that's too much work, though. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. And then my face. just see uh, from my neck to my waist. <laughs> just my torso. That could be good. Just Odd. like a nice sweater. And that's just all you are. I don't know. I'm just tired of putting together outfits. Yeah. And then every time I like want to wear the same outfit, I'm like, Lizzie McGuire, you're an outfit repeater. That's all I hear. <laughs> so tragic. That will haunt me until the end of my days. <laughs> well, happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, whatever you celebrate, it's season. hope it's good. I'm getting hope my Christmas fun. tree this weekend. My family nice. gets it so late every year. And then my mom, I know you're listening, so I hope you feel attacked because that's what I'm doing. Every year she's like, why do we even need a Christmas tree? And I'm like, Cheer, holiday cheer. Thank you. And then... When we do get a tree, she's like, it needs to be a noble. There needs to be 10 feet between the branches. And I'm I like, remember your tree. Literally, <laughs> it has like four branches. It's so bad. Every year, <laughs> I'm like, it, woman, if you don't want a tree in the first place, why do you have such a preference if we get one? You don't get an opinion if you are advocating against us. True. You know, that is a valid point. So, and mom's out of town this weekend, so dad and my brother Josh and I Douglas are getting a tree. So we will be getting a dumb thick tree <laughs> this year very exciting dense a very dense and um vivacious tree mm. here's to hoping so i'm gonna get into our story i mean i guess it's a story because it but it's real we all have a story <laughs> <laughs> i hated that so much i'm so sorry okay i titled so i have like all of them as little sections so let me see if i can get my mic right so this first one's called a little background do not read <laughs> the end of the story first. no i cut it out i edited it out because <laughs> we uh full credit to wikipedia our f- favorite source yeah. um they put like a background in like a overall of kind of their life like before all the other information yeah. and it's always like and then they did a tragic death and then i'm always about to read it and i'm like wait no spoiler <laughs> even though you already know they died but like still bad but still yeah so i was reading this in my history channel voice <laughs> before james marshall Jimi hendrix <laughs> born johnny alex hendrix november 27th 1942 
September to September 18th, 1970. That's all. I'll talk in my normal voice now. Was an American rock guitarist, singer, and songwriter. His mainstream career lasted only four years, but he's widely regarded as one of the most influential guitarists in history and one of the most celebrated musicians of the 20th century. Are we in the 21st? The 21st. That's what I thought. Just because the one before the one, the first was the first, if that makes sense. Whoa. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame describes him as the greatest instrumentalist. Probably could say that. <laughs> in the history of rock music, the Jimi Hendrix experience was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1992 and the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2005. Rolling Stone ranked the band's three studio albums among the 100 greatest albums of all time and ranked Hendrix the greatest guitarist and sixth greatest artist of all time. Who makes these calls? Uh, Like numbers, you think, or like general? What do you mean numbers? Like how many like sold like of their album? Like does that make it the greatest? If it's the most sold or Uh, if it's like. I don't know. I think it's more quality. Or like the culture around? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I think that we should play Jimi Hendrix guitar solo uh, national anthem to start off. The Star Spangled Banner? Yeah. When he does it, I can play it on Apple Music. (laughs) The one at Woodstock, which we'll talk about a little later. Oh, I just watched a Netflix documentary on Woodstock. Ooh, I true. highly recommend to everyone. It's it's crazy. Wait, hold it up. so good it kind of slaps really hard for absolutely no reason at all yeah but i would also like to say that my cousin uh played that in i think sixth grade in front of the whole school that is very kind cool. of yeah. kind of awesome it's kind of a power move right ever heard one uh <clears throat> yeah so now we're gonna figure out who was Jimi hendrix before the fame and so we're gonna talk about his childhood and his family situation and such. So Jimi Hendrix had a diverse heritage. His parental grandmother, Zenora, what a freaking That's cool so name. so cool. Rose Moore was an African-American and one quarter Cherokee. Uh, his paternal grandfather, Bertrand Flander. <laughs> Bertrand Flander? Ross Hendrix. That sounds like a cult leader name. 
Bertrand. Bertrand Flander. 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 Bertrand Flander Hendricks. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> he was born in 1866, which I'm like, whoa. That is a <laughs> long time ago. Uh, was born out of an extramarital affair between a woman named Fanny and a grain <gasps> merchant from Urbana, Ohio, or Illinois. One of the wealthiest men in the area at that time. Urbana Flander? <laughs> no, Fl- Franny Flander. Franny? After Ugh. Hendricks and Moore relocated to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, they had a son named James Allen Hendricks on June 10th, 1919. The family called him Al. Oh. In 1941, after moving to Seattle, Al met Lucille Jetter. In the year she was alive was <laughs> 1925 to 1958 at a dance. Oh. They married on March 31st, 1942. Maybe I just need to go to a dance and then I'll meet my husband. I wish we still did that. That's so cute. Like swing Mil- dancing and, and like, stuff. The balls that you would have. Yeah. Poor Zelda freaking met her. I know. Hemingway. <laughs> you mean Fitzgerald? <laughs> Wait, did I say Hemingway? That's humiliating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's okay. I I know history a good amount of it. Um, Lucille's grandfather, Jimmy's maternal grandmother, was Preston Jetter, born 1875. That's like that's so long ago. That's weird. Whose mother was born in similar circumstances as Bertrand Philander. So basically, extramarital affairs. Uh, Lucille's mother, Nee Claris Lawson, had African-American and Cherokee ancestors, and Al, who had been drafted by the U.S. Army to serve in World War II, left to begin his basic training three days after the wedding. It's called a short honeymoon. That's sad. Three days after they got married, he left. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Allen Hendricks was born on November 27, 1942, in Seattle. He was the first of Lucille's five children, and in 1946... Johnny's parents changed his name to James Marshall Hendricks in honor of Al and his late brother, Leon Marshall. Mm. So stationed in Alabama at the time of Hendricks's birth, Al was denied the standard military for low afforded servicemen for childbirth. His commanding officer placed him in the stockade to prevent him from going AWOL to see his infant son in Seattle. <laughs> he spent two months locked up without trial and while in the stockade received a telegram announcing his son's birth. That is so, so sad. sad. During Al's three-year absence, Lucille struggled to raise their son. When Al was away, Hendrix was mostly cared for by family members and friends, especially Lucille's sister, Dolores, and her friend, Dorothy. Precious names. Dolores and Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Al received an honorable discharge from the U.S. Army on September 1st, 1945. Two months later, unable to find Lucille, Al went to Berkeley, California, home of a family friend named Mrs. Champ who had taken care of and attempted to adopt Hendrix. This is where Al saw his son for the first time. He legit lost his wife? I mean, I guess how would you know back then? Yeah, you could just leave. I mean... That's weird. If she, like, sent a telegram to Alabama, wherever he was, and he had already left, like, he literally would not know. Mm-hmm. Back then, you could just move, and no one would find you <laughs> ever again. That's insane. Unless you, like word of mouth i guess but that'd be like no one cares you that could much. change your name and no one would know that's like we're like i think we need to go back i think i need times. to go back to time after returning from service al reunited with lucille but his inability to find steady work left the family impoverished they both struggled with alcohol and often fought when intoxicated 
Shocking. <sighs> the violence sometimes drove Hendricks to withdraw and hide in his closet. Oh. His relationship with his brother Leon was close but precarious with leon in and out of foster care they lived with an almost constant threat of fraternal separation in addition to leon Hendricks had three younger siblings joseph born in 1949 kathy in 1950 and pamela in 1951 all of whom al and lucille gave up to foster care and adoption the family frequently moved staying in cheap hotels and apartments around seattle and on occasion family members would take Hendricks to vancouver to stay at his grandmother's a shy and sensitive boy he was deeply affected by all of his life experiences. And years later, he confided to a girlfriend that he had been the, fic- the victim of sexual abuse by a man in uniform. On December 17, 1951, when Hendricks was nine years old, his parents divorced, and the court granted Al custody of him and Leon. Granted who custody? Granted... Al, you have the grandfather. Yeah. The grandfather? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now we're going to talk about his first instruments, which is like a huge section because I was like not going to include it because I was like, who cares? But it's actually kind of cool. Okay. So at Horace Mann Elementary School in Seattle during the mid 1950s, Hendrick's habit of carrying a broom with him to emulate a guitar gained the attention (laughs) of the school's social worker. That is so cute. (laughs) That's adorable. And after more than a year of his clinging to a broom like a security blanket, she wrote a letter requesting school funding intended for underprivileged children, insisting that leaving him without a guitar might result in psychological damage. Her efforts fail, and Al refused to buy him a guitar. (laughs) That is so sad. He literally is like, sir, your son is carrying a broom everywhere because he wants a guitar, and he's like, absolutely not. (laughs) He's like, no. He's like, I actually need more whiskey. (laughs) So that's not really going to happen. This money's for my brandy. So I can hide in a closet for my wife. <laughs> no. In 1957, while helping his father with a side job, Hendricks found a ukulele amongst the, gar- the garbage they were removing from an older woman's home. She told him that he could keep the instrument, which had only one string. <laughs> <laughs> Learning by ear, he played single notes, following along to Elvis Presley songs, particularly Hound Dog. By the age of 33, Hendricks mother lucille had developed cirrhosis of the liver and on february 2nd 1958 she died when her spleen ruptured al refused to take james and leon to attend their mother's funeral instead he gave them shots of whiskey and instructed them that this is how men should do with loss that is that is the worst advice i've ever heard i've ever heard do not take that advice shots of whiskey are not how you deal with loss and at this time he was 15 really good 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 stuff um if you can't tell that i'm kidding never do that just don't um in 1958 hendrix completed his studies at washington junior high school and began attending but did not graduate from garfield high school which is where my friend lucy went uh yeah i was like like, i've heard of that i know very cool and then in mid-1958 at age 15, Hendrix required his first acoustic guitar. Oh. No more broom for this guy for $5, <laughs> which is equivalent to $43 in 2018. That's pretty cheap still. I know. Guitars are freaking expensive. He played for hours daily, watching others and learning from more experienced guitarists and listening to blues <clears throat> artists such as Muddy Walters, B.B. King, Howling Wolf, and Robert Johnson. The first tune Hendrix learned to play was the television theme Peter Gunn. No idea what that is. 
Around that time, Hendrix jammed with boyhood friend Sammy Drain. <laughs> Sammy Drain. That sounds like a band name. I know. And his keyboard playing brother. Very cool garage band. Right. In 1959, attending a concert by Hank Ballard and the Midnighters in Seattle, Hendrix met the group's guitarist, Billy Davis. Uh, Davis showed some guitar licks. Do they mean tricks? No. Or licks, licks. is a thing? Licks is a thing. What is that? Just like a little solo. Oh. Sophie plays the guitarist. And that got him a short gig with the Midnighters. The two remained friends until he died. When Hendrix died. Spoiler. I'm so sorry in case you didn't know. Oh no. What have I done? Um, soon after he acquired the acoustic guitar, Hendrix formed his first band, The Velvetones. What a I cool like name. it. Without an electric guitar, he could barely be heard over the sound of the group. An acoustic guitar and a I rock band. I love it. After about three months, he realized that he needed an electric guitar. In mid-1959, his father relented and bought him a white Supro Ozark. Cool. Hendrix's first gig was with an unnamed band in the Jaff Room <laughs> of Seattle's <laughs> Temple, but they fired him between sets for showing off uh he joined he's the rock fired for being too good <laughs> they're like no sir this is you're supposed to accompany us be more insecure up there sir <laughs> please he joined the rocking kings which played professionally at venues such as the birdland club when his guitar was stolen after he left <gasps> it backstage overnight al bought him a red silver tone Dane Le- Dan Lectro. Cool. Well, a red nice one? About. I was like, that sounds dope. Yeah. Um, before Hendrix was 19 years old, law authorities had twice caught him riding in stolen cars. Given a choice between prison or joining the army, he chose the latter and enlisted on May 31st, 1961. That's so, that's such like a weird choice, like the, <laughs> uh, the, police officials would give him you know what I right because it's like he's not a threat but he broke the loss yeah so they're like well i guess we need more people doing the military <laughs> also terrifying that just as a man then back then that was like you just had to or we're yeah i was talking to my dad about the draft <laughs> how freaking scary would that be to be drafted and if you're just like too afraid like you just and then mm. it, you just have to like be ingrained in your head that it's like okay to kill people even though you know it's not but you just yeah. like feel like oh it's just like oh and my dad that. was like i would definitely he, my dad was like i wouldn't voluntarily go but if i was like drafted i would go it's like it's an obligation and i was like i wouldn't feel obligated because my name got pulled to fight a proxy war you know what i mean yeah i'm like oh, no sorry. thanks son no thanks moving to canada true i'm like men and women are equal but do not put us in the draft please not that equal thanks <laughs> you, you can have that one thing well, we don't want that much equality so you roll but i would like people would do stuff during their physical when they went in you know like if you broke your arm you couldn't go so like oh i'd much rather break an arm than oh but breaking your own arm oh i we could Ugh. break each other's arms no <laughs> scratch my back i'll scratch yours i'll break your arm break my arm break yours but wouldn't you rather break an arm than go to war definitely but it's like i don't know if i could bring myself to do that 
Yeah. Just take me by surprise. <laughs> just go by me and snap I, it off. At any moment, I could come and break your arm. That's exhilarating. <laughs> Keeps it life interesting. Exactly. Um, after completing eight weeks of basic training in Fort Ord, California. I can't imagine doing military training. Boot Terrible. camp? No, 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 no. Imagine being screamed at in your face. I would cry. I'm too sensitive for that. They're like, do push-ups. I'd be like, you do push-ups. Freak? And they'd be like, go home. <laughs> I would literally just annoy discharge. them. I would just annoy them. Here. My backup plan, if someone, like, kidnaps me, I'm just going to yeah. annoy them so much that they're like, never mind. You're like, start saying, baby, you're a fire. <laughs> you're worth. And they're like, shut up. I'll kill you. I'm like, I would rather be killed than be with you. Period. And they would literally. literally like, like, ouch. Be like, you start singing, hit me with your best shot. <laughs> hit me with your best like, shot. Why make great till they gotta be great? <laughs> you. I just took a DNA test. <laughs> They're like, uh, you can hop out of the car now. You actually, actually take the blindfold off. Get out. Just <laughs> leave. Um, he was assigned to the 101st Airborne Division and stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. That's how I have to read it. What year is this? This is in 1961. When did Vietnam War start? The 60s. I have literally no idea. American education has let me down (laughs) so many things. (laughs) I did a whole semester on the Vietnam War and I still don't know. 1955 to 1975. You were in there. Yeah. Yeah, so He arrived on November 8th. My birthday, in case anyone was wondering. Um, and he wrote to his father, quote, There's nothing but physical training and harassment here for two weeks, and when you go to jump school, you get hell. They force you to death, fussing and fighting. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Unquote. In his next letter home, Hendrix, who had left his guitar at his girlfriend Betty Jean Morgan's house in Seattle, asked his father to send it to him as soon as possible, (laughs) stating, quote, I really need it now, unquote. His father obliged and sent the red silver stone, whatever the second part is that I can't read, on which Hendrix had hand-painted the words Betty Jean. Oh, that is so, also that's an adorable name. That's literally precious. Betty Jean. Laura Jean. (laughs) Literally. Oh. I've seen that movie too many times. <laughs> his apparent yeah. obsession with the instrument contributed to the neglect of his duties, which led to taunting and physical abuse from his peers. Who He's at like, least I just want to rock out. Hid the guitar from him until he begged it to return. That's so mean. That is so sad. They're just jealous they don't have an outlet for all their trauma. Angst. Exactly. Yeah. I always imagine. Did you ever see Divergent? Duh. I always imagine boot camp being like the dauntless initiation or whatever and they've like beat each other up and like throw <laughs> knives and stuff you know <laughs> i need to watch that movie again it's actually kind of really good i watched Hunger it recently. Games? i need to watch oh i want to read them i never read them they're so good y'all what? are you're you've insane. never seen claire you've never seen divergent or hunger games I've never seen it. <laughs> literally a freak get out you're fired right. skedaddle okay. <laughs> skedat oh yeah we need you just kidding stay 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 stay. in november of 1961 fellow serviceman billy cox walked past an army club and heard hendrix playing impressed by his technique which cox described as a combination between quote john lee hooker and beethoven unquote cox borrowed a bass guitar and the two jammed 
Cool. Within weeks, they began performing at bass clubs and on the weekends with other musicians in a loosely organized band, The Casuals. I love that. His band names are so good. It, like, yeah. makes me upset. The Velvetones, The Casuals. The Velvetones sounds like the nicest jazz band I've ever the heard. The Velvetones sounds like... Did you watch Glee? Yeah. I hate to say that I did as well. When, like, the <laughs> teachers got together and made, like, the male acapella band. <laughs> no. Mr. Like what's his name? Shoe. Mr. Schuler. Schuler? Shoe. It's like shoe. I don't know. It always it it started with shoe. Schuster. Mm-hmm. Yes, Schuster. Schuster. That's it. Yeah. Or, like, the prep school. Apple um, Music is trying to bill me, but I don't have enough <laughs> in my account. Oh, God. Or, like, the... Remember the prep school choir? <gasps> yes. That Kurt's boyfriend was in? Oh, That's my gosh. like, the Velvetones. So fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Literally. Wait, what was the high school's... Oh, it was just Glee Club, right? No, it was called, the like, the new... Oh, what were they called? Clara, did you watch Glee? Glee Club. A little. Not much, though. Glee Club n- club name? My mom did get the Christmas CDs every year, though. <laughs> it was called The New Directions. Oh, weird. Remember how weird that was? Because it was before One Direction? Yeah. I literally love One Direction. I forgot. <laughs> I made a playlist no. last night, and I couldn't. I just was listening. No, 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 no. I think that the <laughs> song... Uh, I think that... The majority of female insecurity and not, um, you know, identifying with just how beautiful we truly are comes from the song. Uh, what makes you beautiful? What makes you beautiful? That song is bad. You don't know you're beautiful, and that's what makes you beautiful. Now every all of <laughs> the world is insecure. For real, I'm we like, think we're not supposed to know that we're pretty. Like what the <laughs> freak? No, yeah. no. Yeah, and exactly. I know it's like meaning like. You, you're just Humble. so good. Girl, you, I'm just going to tell you this so you fall in love with me, so you become reliant on me and have a toxic <laughs> relationship. <laughs> but you can't tell me that Kiss You by One Direction doesn't slap. Or they don't know about us. What a feeling. I honestly don't know any of them. I will p- force you to listen to some. I just remember my fifth grade teacher learning what makes you beautiful on the guitar, and all of us were like, yes! Yes, like screaming it. You don't know your beard. Uh, uh, uh. You are insecure, and that's attractive because then I can take advantage of you. Because you're relying on me. I'm your self-esteem. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You don't know you're beautiful, and, and I'll tell you you're ugly if you don't love me. <laughs> If you want to break up with me, then you're not pretty anymore. <laughs> then you're disgusting. <laughs> I wish you could see our dance moves. Right we now. are so good. We literally need to like record these if we. Does but then that's another YouTube? technological thing that would go wrong. It'd be a YouTube channel. Exactly. We'd get like 25 views, but yeah. it would be good. They'd also see you like picking your nose periodically and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Um, Hendrix completed his paratrooper, <coughs> paratroop, yeah, that's the word, training in just over eight months, and Major General C.W.G. Rich awarded him the prestigious Screaming Eagles badge. <laughs> <laughs> On January 11th, 1962. <laughs> By February, his personal conduct had begun gun to draw criticism from his superiors they labeled him as an unqualified marksman and often caught him napping while on duty (laughs) and failing to report for bed checks 
On May 24th, uh, Hendrix platoon surgeon James C. P- Spe- I literally <laughs> can't speak. On May 24th, Hendrix platoon sergeant James C. Spears filed a report in which he stated, quote, he has no interest whatsoever in the army. He It, it was it, also an ultimatum, though. Like, he didn't really... Yeah. It is my opinion that Private Hendricks will never come up to the standards of a required soldier. I feel that the military service will benefit if he is discharged as soon as possible. Unquote. On June 29, 1962, Hendricks was granted a discharge under honorable conditions. Hendricks later spoke of his dislike of the army and lied that he had received a medical discharge after breaking his ankle in his 26th parachute jump. That's funny. That's, I kinda, bet, that's what you got to do. I bet he was just being a bad one so they would send him home. He's just, like, genuinely not interested. Exactly. He's like, I only did this because I didn't want to go to prison. Ex- exactly. But he's probably, like, Loki didn't do anything in prison. That would have been nice. Yeah. It sucks. What would you rather do? How long in the army and how long in prison? That's the thing. Exactly. Um. So it looks like he was in there. He got in at 1961 and got out in 1963. Oh. I'd much rather do that, I think. Yeah, because it's like at least you're moving and doing stuff versus in prison. You'd literally just be... How people are in prison for like 20 or 30 years. Oh, my... It's like... Dave's coming. That's so scary. Yeah. Being in prison would be terrifying. People like trying to shank you. Ooh, (laughs) no, not a vibe. What if you fell in love in prison? Have you seen Love After Lockup? No. Me neither, but my sister's obsessed. It's like people (laughs) that fall in love with people that are in prison and Stop. then they get out <laughs> it's a reality show what love I after need, lockup we need to do an episode reviewing that that's where so we just funny. watch love after lockup and then talk about it yeah like a bachelor recap i miss the bachelor oh i know i'm so freaking ready. peter freaking peter oh peter's my the bachelor i'm so sad i'm annoyed like Anyone you could have chosen mike honestly would have wanted jed before at least it would have been interesting yeah freaking peters is about to be so boring he's just gonna be logical and then just choose people and there'll be no drama hannah's was insane hannah's was crazy literally every episode something huge happened yeah oh this almost was a bachelor (laughs) recap podcast that would have been so funny though we would have been excellent at that yeah there's too many of them though no i guess there's a lot of true crime ones too exactly whatever maybe we'll do a mashup Ooh yeah that could be good. Murder and Bachelor Nation. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so good, though. If you guys don't watch, I tend it's a must. It comes out in it's January. Like, it's not even that trashy, okay? Honestly, no. Would you go on The Bachelor? I hate to say that I would not. <laughs> really? No, I don't. Uh, my morals just wouldn't let me. I think I, I just would. Don't, I just don't think you should have that many like emotional connections with people mm. at once i feel like it would just end badly i do it for the is, fame exactly it's where we're very different <laughs> for the instagram followers oh just exactly i need just you for to the go podcast on that show followers. please literally please go on <laughs> undercover agent for the podcast and i secretly like you put, put stickers all over the mansion <laughs> people are like what are these <laughs> like, cover the mansion and stickers literally <laughs> the family that lives in there during the year is like does someone live in there? Yeah, family does. No way. Yeah, That's someone's they rent it house. Out. Yeah. <gasps> How weird. I read an article about it. It was crazy. See, that's when I'm a journalist. That's the stuff I want to be <laughs> writing about. The f- you're gonna interview the family that lives in the Bachelor Mansion. Oh my gosh, yes. I would. 
oh sometimes i'm like oh being a writer for people magazine i'm like that'd be the worst but most entertaining job of all oh yeah but also like i didn't know that the bachelor and bachelorette didn't get to choose the dates they don't they're like already made which i think kind of sucks because i would just be like i want to do this crazy Mm -hmm. thing how long have we been recording 37 minutes i'm on page four so we'll go to page six and then we'll stop i feel like we have a good it'll just cut this out obviously like talking about hendrix and talking about other things bachelor nation bachelor nation also all of the old contestants (laughs) have podcasts all the what old contestants have podcasts there's so many there's so many you're like okay deborah no one cares about your boxed wine ad (laughs) 65 re- 64 roses oh my gosh stop <laughs> that's the old bachelors the last bachelors wine company <laughs> isn't it because it rhymes with cystic fibrosis <laughs> 65 roses i mean he like has a charity for cystic fibrosis <laughs> <laughs> isn't that why it's called that why does sophie made me laugh when i water my mouth <laughs> yes that's why because it's cystic fibrosis because it's what kids say 65 roses is that mean probably we're sorry <laughs> in september 1963 after cox was discharged from the army he and hendrix moved about 20 miles across the state from fort campbell to clarksville tennessee formed a band the king casuals but the casuals with a K. I don't like this name. No, this much. In Seattle, Hendrix saw Butch Snipes play with his teeth and now the casual second guitarist. With his teeth? Yep. Wait, he played the guitar with his uh-huh. teeth? <laughs> he said, might need to try it out. Might need to post it on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Follow us at Zero Conversations Pod. Um, and the casual second guitarist Alfonso, quote, Baby Boo Young, was performing his guitar gimmick. So him, we're doing the teeth, and then he was doing some gimmick, too. Not to be upstaged, Hendrix also learned how to play with way. I don't know. With way? With way. I don't know what that means. He later explained, quote, the idea of doing that came to me in Tennessee. Down there, you have to play with your teeth or else you get shot. (laughs) There's a trail of broken teeth all over the stage. Oh, that's so sad. Ow! Literally, ow! On an electric guitar? I don't think he's being literal. I don't think there's, like, actually broken No, there isn't. But imagine. (laughs) How would you even... (laughs) (laughs) Everyone try it right now. Everyone put a pretend guitar in front of you. Grab a broom. Play it with your teeth. Grab your emotional support broom. (laughs) Although they began playing low-paying gigs at obscure venues the band eventually moved to nashville's jefferson street which was the traditional heart of the city's black community and home to a thriving thriving rhythm of and blues music scene i don't know why like words are just it's reading aloud is it's difficult than you think i literally was in dave's class and i had to read something out loud and we were reading a poem and i was literally like (laughs) i was like why can in my head i can read it obviously perfectly but it's like also weird that you can't change the volume of your thoughts. <laughs> just just try that out, guys. Just try and yell in your head. You can't. Like, it's not. I like, can't think anything right now. Exactly. And then do you think in your own voice or do you just think in words? 
I think, I'm not sure. I think in words because I when I listen to this and hear my voice, I'm like, oh, throw up, throw up, throw up. Exactly. So if I hear heard my thoughts, but it's like, are my thoughts my in voice? a different voice? Maybe in my head, or are they just words that I'm seeing? But I don't thinking? see. I don't. When you dream, do you see faces, or do you just know yeah. it's the people? I see faces because your brain can't make up faces you haven't seen before. I know, but some people like I feel like sometimes I don't see faces. You just I, know, yeah, that's them. Do you hear things in your dream? Yeah. Well, it's called schizophrenia. <laughs> Seriously? No. Oh, my gosh. I was like, wait, what? Uh, uh, sh- uh. I had the most whack dream ever last night, and I remembered it right as I woke up, and I was like, no, I remember it. I won't write it down. And now I'm like, what the frick was my dream about? Because yeah. you ever wake up, and it was like, it like, felt like you were awake all night because you were yeah. in a dream. I had a really long one last night. I, I had a really remember. long dream. Now I'm just remembering. I don't know if she's listening, but I was at my friend Ella's house. And, like, her mom was there. I don't, Dreams like, are so weird. I'm like, why was I thinking about Kristen? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Do sorry. you dream in color? Yeah. Do you hear in I actually don't see color. So. Do you hear things in your dreams? I was kidding. Oh, yeah, you I'm do. I'm joking. Schizophrenia. <laughs> what did you say? Never mind. I asked if you heard things, but you already said that. Yes, yes. I hear things. I see things. I think things. Let me go back to where I was. They earned a brief residency playing at the popular venue in town, the Club del Morocco. For the next two years, Hendrix made a living performing at circuit at a circuit of venues throughout the South that were affiliated with the Theater Owners Booking Association, TOBA, widely known as the Chitlin Circuit. In addition to playing in his own band, Hendrix performed as a backing musician for various soul R&B and blues musicians. That's so cool that, like, he became so famous, but before, like, he was just another dude that people gave a chance. Yeah, And then exactly. later they'd be like, whoa, Jimi Hendrix was my backup man? That's crazy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stories like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, like, you got to start somewhere. Um, in January of 1964, feeling that he had outgrown the circuit artistically and frustrated by having to follow the rules of band leaders, Hendrix decided to venture out on his own. He moved to the Hotel Teresa in Harlem, where he befriended Lithophane. I'm Lithophane. Like, I'm pretty sure. I guess, yeah. It's li- so, it's exactly Lithophane. what it looks like. Pridgen, known as Faye. Thank you for having me. I love Faye. That's adorable. Who became his girlfriend. A Harlem native with connections throughout the area's music scene, Faye provided him with shelter, support, and encouragement. Hendrix also met the Allen twins, Arthur and Albert. In February of 1964, Hendrix won first prize in the Apollo Theater Amateur Contest, and hoping to secure a career opportunity, he played the Harlem Club circuit and sat in with several bands. Um, at the recommendation of a formal associate of Joe Tex, Ronnie Isley granted Hendrix an audition that led to an offer to become the guitarist of the Isley's Brothers backup band in the IB Specials, which he readily accepted. You ready to say something? <clears throat> We're talking about Jimi Hendrix. Oh, Have you met nice. him too? Yeah, I met Jimi Hendrix, man. Did you guys talk about the weird thing how Jimi Hendrix was born in Seattle and stuff but didn't get popular until he moved away to England and all that business? Oh, we haven't gotten we to haven't England. We haven't gotten to that. Oh. He's in Harlem He's now. He's joking. No, I'm not. Also, did you know he played the, like a left or a right-handed guitar, but he was left-handed? Uh, yes. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Any more Thanks, spoilers, Dave. Dave? He dies at the end. <laughs> no! I knew you were going to say that. I knew. 
But yet I still gave you a chance. He dies at the end. No, I thought he was gonna live in this one. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. So I have this like super long paragraph about all of his first recordings, but I'm not gonna read that. Because, we don't really care. Because no one really cares about all of his individual singles and when they came out, whatever. So I'm just True. gonna read the last paragraph of it. Okay. Um feeling so this was during nineteen sixty four to nineteen sixty five. And feeling restricted by his experiences as an R&B sideman, Hendrix moved in 1966 to New York City's Greenwich Village, oh. which had a vibrant and diverse music scene. It's, uh, I wish. Sophie's really like, let me live That's there. That's like by NYU. I wish I could go to NYU and not. Oh, oh my gosh. It's gorgeous. And they have these like couple streets that are gated off that are like cobblestones. And there's like the French cottage where the French classes are. Oh, Sophie's like, I literally need I to go I wish I could afford NYU and would major in something and also could afford to live in New York. Mm-hmm. But nope. No, I, it's actually not fair that people get to live there, but... Do you want to move there? Um, I've never visited, so I feel like I can't say that I would want yeah. to. I would love to I would love I to think visit you would first. like it a lot. Literally, I'm like, through watching Katie Bellotti, I have decided... <laughs> That I'm going to become a freelance um, writer and artist and somehow That's not That's so die. scary. I know. I'm, like, what, so proud. You should, like, get a job at a newspaper or magazine yeah. or something in New York and then move there. And then I'll just excellent. live with you. It'll literally just live with me. Fine. Yeah, we could we could do the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Imagine if we did it until we were, like, 80 years old and we had our I whole wonder, life documented. What are podcasts going to be like when we're 80? They probably won't be a thing. We'll probably have something else. True. If you think about it, because like, like, remember when the podcast and the CD and VCR? Oh yeah, radio. We're like the written word. (laughs) Books. Mm -hmm. All libraries will be out of business. I feel like books are never gonna go away. I don't think so either. They'll always be at least digital. Like you'll always have something. I don't. I don't don't like like it. I've never liked reading digital. I listen to audiobooks. Yeah, but audiobooks are good. But it's like there's something about reading words and turning the page. The paper. There's something about the papyrus that really just (laughs) gets me going. Oh, every time, every time. Um, In Greenwich Village, he was offered a residency at the Cafe Wah on MacDougall Street and formed his own band that June. Jimmy James and the Blue Flames, which included future spirit guitarist Randy California. What a cool name. Randy California? That is such a cool name. The Blue Flames paid, played at several clubs in New York, and Hendrix began developing his guitar style and material he would soon use with the experience. What is that, you may ask? Don't freaking ask. Keep listening. <laughs> now we're getting into the Jimi Hendrix experience. Crazy. Crazy. You have 10 minutes, by the way. Perfect. We're just going to get started talking about that, and then it goes into like his UK success, so we'll just cut it off there, and then we'll get our two-parter, which will be out Yay! next week, which will be the week of- Next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so afraid of Two-part part two. May Hendrix was struggling to earn a living wage. That's so crazy, because he becomes like one of the richest people. Yeah. And there's so many people that fail. Mm-hmm. You know, people always hear these success stories. There's so many artists nothing. that just fail. There's so many failures. <laughs> Think about Jed once again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Play 
<clears throat> R&B circuit, so he briefly rejoined Curtis Knight and the Squires for an engagement at one of New York City's most popular night spots, the Cheetah Club. That is where you'll find the Cheetah Girls. <laughs> During a performance, Linda Keith, the girlfriend of Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards, Whoa. dope, noticed Hendrix and was mesmerized by his playing. She in- she invited him to join her for a drink, and the two became friends. Aw. A.K.A. lovers. Oh, my gosh. Are you telling me that a man and a woman cannot have a friendship Resist. without romance? No. I think that's false. I think it's false as well. They could be gay. <laughs> While Hendrix was playing with Jimmy James in the Blue Flames. That's so good. I love it. Keith recommended him to Stone's manager, Andrew <clears throat> Luke Oldham, and producer Seymour Stein. Seymour. What a weird person. Fine. I swear I've heard the weirdest names on this podcast. Yeah. But they're cool. Like I'm glad it's yeah, not really just like cool. Jenna <laughs> Sophie. <laughs> the- Emily. <laughs> Hannah. Hannah Oh my gosh. Haunted by Hannah's. There's so many Emma. Mm, there's so many Alex's in my art class. Oh my gosh. She's like Alex B, Alex F, Alex I P. I saw this TikTok and they were like, here's my theory. They go, Have you ever met an Alex that was smart? And they just went. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, they failed to see Hendrix's music's potential, the Stones managers, and rejected him. Keith referred him to Chas Chandler, who was leaving The Animals, which is a band, and was interested in managing and producing artists. Chandler saw Hendrix play in Cafe Wa at Greenwich Wretch Village, New York City nightclub. Chandler liked the Billy Roberts song, Hey Joe, and was convinced he could create a hit single with the right artist. Impressed with Hendrix's version of the song, he brought him to London. I need friends that do that. Ugh. On September 24th, 1966, and signed him into a management and production contract with himself and the ex-Animals oh. manager, Michael Jeffrey. What'd you say? That's my birthday, September 24th. Hey. Um, on September 24th, Hendrix gave an impromptu solo performance at the Scotch of St. James, and later that night began a relationship with Kathy Etchingham that lasted two and a half years. Following How do you spell Cafe Wa? Uh, Cafe W-H-A question mark. Are you just looking up what it looks like? I think that's where my sister's grandma worked. Crazy. When they lived in New York, but I just asked her. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Watch next week's episode and you'll find out. Oh, yeah. Part two, part two. <laughs> Following Hendrix's arrival in London, Chandler began recruiting members for a band designed to highlight his talents. The Jimi Hendrix Experience. Love it. They're like, what's your band? It's literally just your name. Oh. My band is Sophie. <laughs> the Sophie Widrick Experience. <laughs> Don't say my full name on the internet. It's whatever. It's not like we link our <laughs> social media on our social media with our full names on it with all of our information and places on where we go to school and live. Uh, oh, well. If someone wanted to murder us, they could. Oh, so easily. Hendrix met guitarist Noel Redding at an audition for The New Animals, where Redding's knowledge of the blues progressions impressed Hendrix, who stated he also liked Redding's hairstyle. Chandler asked Redding if he wanted to play bass guitar in Hendrix's band. Redding agreed. Chandler began looking for a drummer and soon after contacted Mitch Mitchell. Through a mutual friend. Say that seven times fast. Mitch Mitchell, Mitch Mitchell, Mitch Mitchell. Mitchell, who had been <laughs> recently fired from Georgie fame and the Blue Flames, participated in a rehearsal with Redding and Hendrix where they found common ground in their shared interest in rhythm and blues. When Chandler phoned Mitchell later that day to offer him the position, he readily accepted. 
Chandler also convinced Hem. It's H-E-N-M. Hem. 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 What? Did you hear that? Yeah. She said 1022. Did I like... Okay, that was weird. My Apple Watch just spoke to me. Um, Where was I? <laughs> Chandler also convinced Hem was scheduled to perform and where Hendrix and guitarist Eric Chaplin Chapton Chapton met. Chapton later said, quote, he asked if I could play a couple Eric numbers. Eric Clapton? Clapton. Mm-hmm. Is it? Clapton. Yeah. Whoa, that's a really famous guy. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> that. I was like, clooped, clap, clooped, clap. Oh my gosh. I wish I had like seven chances to say people's names before it came out of my mouth. Like, I don't know what how it's going to sound when I say it because I just read it and I'm like, yeah. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, so I can a couple But I had a funny feeling about him. Halfway through Cream's set, Hendrix took the stage and performed a frantic version of the Howlin' Wolf song, Killing Floor. In 1989, Clapton described the experience, quote, he played just about every style you could think of, and not in a flashy way. I mean, he did a few of his tricks, like playing with his teeth and behind his back, but it wasn't an upstaging sense at all, and that was it. That's he walked cool. off, and my life will never be the same again. And that is the end of part one. That's really cool. Playing with your teeth. Ah. Go home and try that. Yeah. Actually, zero to ten recommend never do that because your dentist will hate you. He's like, what are these weird burns on the back of your teeth? Oh, it's for my <laughs> strings that are on fire. My strings are on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for listening, you guys. Thank you. Stay tuned for part two. Which next will be week. out. Will it be out next week? Because by the time we post this next week will be Christmas. No. no? Christmas well, is not in one week. I'm tripping. Ding it or dong. Because this is on Monday and then we have a week and then it's Christmas. That's good. Right? Because it breaks three weeks away. Yeah, but then Christmas is after we get out. Perfect. So anyway, next week, this time, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, part two will be out exactly and we're not going to post the week of christmas because we will be with our fan bands and such happy holidays happy Happy holidays holidays. and you know we don't want to distract you guys when you should be you know appreciating your loved ones or whatever or hiding from them in your room and whatever you do uh disney plus in montana (laughs) do you have disney plus yeah i know you're gonna ask me for the login no Hmm. i don't want it you don't, why would you not want to watch Wizards of Waverly Place whenever you want? I don't know. It just feels wrong. How does that we're feel more wrong when it's so right? Okay. <laughs> I was watching Hannah Montana when they're hiding from her dad at the movie theater and he's secretly on a date. And they're like, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, I didn't want to tell you. It hurt your feelings. <laughs> and they all hug. And she's like, he's like, wait, why are you guys here at the movie theater? You're grounded. And he's like. I saw Hannah, she was sneaking out. She's like, no, I swear, whatever her brother's name is. Jackson. Yeah, Jackson's here with a girl. And he's like, Jackson, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to watch your sister. And then he's like, no, but Hannah's here with her friends. And he's like, you're your responsibilities. Take care of your sister. Boom, Jackson, boom. So, yeah, now you guys don't even have to watch the sixth episode of Hannah Montana because <laughs> I memorized it just for you. Spoiler. Okay, anyway, follow us on Zero Conversations Podcast on the Instagram. What if we did a Hannah Montana commentary? <laughs> Ew! <laughs> we would lose all of our listeners. True. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about us. And your enemies. And your frenemies. 
Don't forget. Go to therapy. And eat cereal. Bye. Goodbye.